Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one NA beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles? Maybe you just like a cool can. Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, extra dark, sours, hazies, and more, to summertime favorites like light brews and goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach. Maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning. Wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means, like a lot of us today, when the uh, 12 o'clock uh, bell went off saying uh, free agency is essentially open, the, the, the legal tampering period is open, I just stayed still for about the next five or six hours because the Commanders were a busy group today. Not Nothing overly crazy, but some interesting moves Nonetheless, uh, to help me break all that down is our guy Matt Paris with the Washington Times. And then, specifically, they signed a linebacker today, Cody Barton, who plays for Seattle. And I think he's going to be in the mix uh, to uh, play the Mike linebacker, especially if Cole Holcomb does not come back. Uh, Michael Sean Dugar, our Seahawks insider for the Athletic, joined me to talk about what uh, Mr. Barton's all about. Plus, we got into the quarterback uh, situation around the league. Seattle obviously has... Geno Smith, but they also have the fifth pick of the draft. Is that a possibility? We talk a little NFC as well. So we'll get to all that in a moment. Uh, of course, as a reminder, you can, but not can, you should subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you do your podcast and just hit the subscribe button. And then same thing, of course, over on The Athletic. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on right now. So click on one of my articles and you should see a discount in there to join and as far as Twitter goes, I'm at Ben Standing and Matt is at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Uh, the man is brave enough to wear a DePaul Blue Demon sweatshirt during March Madness. So, you know, he's got some things to say. Uh, Matt, uh, appreciate it. Uh, it's been a day. It's been a, it was a super busy day. I mean, this is on the heels of yesterday with Deron Payne signing. And we also spoke to Deron Payne today, I should mention. Um so today, today it was busy, busy, busy. But when you look at like in total, it's like, okay, well, it's like uh, the, they worked out a lot of the appetizers and the garnishes. But if they were waiting for like a main course, that didn't happen. What was your sense of uh, day one of fake free agency? Yeah, it, it's really kind of fit the mold of how this team has operated with Ron Rivera. Very much kind of trying to find guys who have produce but maybe have some more upside 
than maybe previously thought. Like I think Cody Barton, uh, who you mentioned at the top, is an example uh, of that. You know, just kind of. Uh, I thought it was smart. They went after their needs right away, plugging on the offensive line. Those were the first few uh, deals done. And then, yeah, uh, addressing kind of the defense and the back half uh, of the day. So, you know, still more to be done. Quarterback is the big one that is still out there. But I think they took care of uh, some business up front here. Yeah, I mean, if we had, you know, prior to today, um, you know, we talk about their needs. Offensive line, cornerback, linebacker, and quarterback sort of as the separate kind of a conversation. And that's what they did. They they, they got two offensive linemen today. Uh, Andrew Wiley, we talked about him. It seemed like a, a logical move to make. He was the right tackle for the Chiefs. Uh, played guard as well in previous years. So now Eric Bieniemy has somebody that he knows well. Uh, Nick Gates, right? That was the uh, – I, I don't have the list in front of me, but yeah, Nick Gates, in, interior offensive lineman for the Giants – he had some significant surgeries after a horrific leg injury actually suffered against Washington uh, a couple of years ago. He is basically the way I'm looking at this is the new West Schweitzer. Like I don't necessarily know that he's going to start, but he can play multiple spots and it feels like the Schweitzer situation there. Uh, secondary. Well, we, we, we mentioned Barton, the one linebacker they got. And in the secondary, they, Apparently, you you know, we, we, it's not just about uh, it's not just about free agency. It's like the waiver wire runs like the waiver wire is like Seven Eleven. It's just always going. It, you know, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It's just always happening. And they picked up uh, actually a pretty interesting guy. I thought Cameron Dantzler, who the Vikings cut the other day, and then last but not least, they re-signed Danny Johnson. They've been act, you know bringing back a lot of these um, guys. You know, the deeper cut guys on the roster. Uh, Khalid Hudson yesterday. You know, others. So Danny Johnson there as well and the net result is kind of what you said right now today they could effectively run out a starting 22 based on what they have and i'm not saying it's a good one i'm not saying it's great i'm not saying it's bad i'm not saying they've improved i'm just saying that they have done that and now you still have the draft you still have the rest of free agency if they want to spend some money so they can effectively not panic they don't have to like oh we have to get this They've kind of done that now already on day one, but that's different than saying, "Wow, they're such a they're a much better team." I think that's gonna, for me at least, gonna take some time to 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 assess. Uh, that that's kind of where I'm at generally right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they upgraded in the sense of the way that the, the Bears upgraded today, but they but the Bears spent a lot more money than these guys did. So, you know, it, it is kind of remains to see how it all works out. But I do think they got better in some spots. I, like I like the additions on the offensive line. I mean, Wes Schweitzer was a really useful player uh, for Washington, but I think that had kind of run its course, you know, with his injury history. And then I think he was mismatched at center. He was much better as a guard, but, you know, I think um, Nick Gates could be a a good solution. Uh, You know, whether he starts or not, I don't know, but I I think he could certainly push. Andrew Norwell for if Andrew Norwell is still on the roster by the spring for a left guard spot. I don't think that spot is uh, solidified by any means. And then right tackle. Yeah. Andrew Wiley. I think getting a guy who knows Eric the system quite well is a benefit and to have someone who could maybe help Sam Cosme if depending on what they do there, it's, there are just a lot of intri- intriguing possibilities 
uh, with some of the guys that they signed. Isn't it weird? I was on the radio today around three o'clock. So they had done all of the majority of these things. And, and, you know, Wiley is of, if we're going to just pick one person to discuss it, it is Wiley again, coming from the Super Bowl champs played with the enemy. The money wasn't a huge deal. It was project listed as three for 24 million, but we don't know uh, what's, what's a real number there. I don't believe. So we'll see what that looks like. I'm going to guess it'll come in less. Um, but right now, I don't think, I mean, maybe you do, but like, I don't really know how I even see the right side of the line looking. I would assume that Wiley came yeah. over to be a tackle because typically, typically tackles get paid more than guards. And if you're, it's like, you know, if you're at the cool kids table, you don't want to go backwards. No offense to guards. Don's not looking to get to pick a fight with a guard, <laughs> which is also why Sam Cosme doesn't really seem to be pushing against the idea of moving to guard. And it has felt because they kept bringing this up over and over again that they really kind of want to move Cosme inside. But then they sent a guy who was at guard for half the time he was at Kansas City. And, you know, the money doesn't suggest that the league views him as like some great player. So I, you could kind of tell me it could go in either direction. And I'm sure if Rivera will, will spin the versatility and the flex, sure. you know, position flex and all that. But I, it's, it is sort of odd to not really have a, at least I don't have a feel for how I think that's going to go. I would guess Wiley at tackle, but um, yeah, it's kind of an odd dynamic. I think I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, but it's also March 13th, you know, even if they are done in free agency addressing the line, who knows what they do with the draft, maybe a solid right tackle falls to them and they can uh, move Wiley inside. I think this has options. I would imagine, I agree with you. I would imagine they move him to right tackle and with Sam Cosby, we'll see. I mean, they had an opportunity, and they did for a little bit to play him at right guard last year for stretches. But once Trey Turner got back in there, it really didn't fluctuate. You know, we we saw Sam Cosme sidelined for a lot of weeks, even though he was healthy, and they were doing that weird right tackle rotation. So I think Sam Cosme, even though if they still view him favorably, I, I think that he's got a, you know, he has some stuff to prove here uh, to this coaching staff to kind of earn one of his spots back. I, I would say. He has a lot more to prove than, say, Andrew Wiley, even if Wiley's spot is still kind of up in the air. No, I mean, that is true. I mean, you know, you mentioned that Cosme um, didn't ultimately take over right guard. He also never went back and flat out started at tackle. I mean, you know, as you said, that 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 splitting reps was pretty odd. And in hindsight, it almost does feel like they were kind of saying, eh, we need to get Cosme in there somewhere. So let's do that. Um, but yeah, so that's the thing. We don't know exactly yet where where they're at. Again, I'm sure the, some spin will be, oh, well, we have options. And like Matt just said, if they're 16 or in the second round, there's somebody we like, we can move people around. You know, I I'm, I understand the, the position flexibility bit, but at some point you also just need to get guys that can play, regardless of whether they can play one or two spots. Um, right. So that's, that, that's what will be interesting here. So if right now, and again, they could do other things. I'm not arguing that. But right now, you would have Charles Lano at left tackle, presumably in Andrew Norwell at left guard. At center, uh, you know, Chase Rie is on the roster. I would still imagine there's some sort of a pay cut or restructure of some sort to to lower that cap number and probably lower his salary. Um, by the way, I, I will also note that uh, I put out there today that uh, they apparently – have a, they are interested in bringing back Tyler Larson and like a you know, quote unquote of like a plan 
for that, but we'll see, especially that was before the Nick Gates signing. So we'll see what that, what that means. Then right guard again, Cosme will say, then Wiley, you know, look, I'll leave it to the Brandon Thorns of the world to tell us if that's a top lineup or not. It doesn't seem like it's that great. I still would think, you know, if it's 16, one of these tackles is there. I think you probably still need to do something like that. Um, you know, they, they once Brandon Sheriff left, they do not have a obvious like Pro Bowl kind of a guy. So hopefully the Wiley part helps the enemy and, uh, you know, that uh, Gates is a, is a good player. But, yeah, it's not a, wow, their line is that much better. But obviously if they can stay healthy, it'll just be better by default. Yeah, a couple thoughts there. Um, one with um, – oh, drawing a blank – uh, one with uh, Wiley, you know, don't forget the John Masco part of this too, right? You know, even though he is reuniting with the enemy, I think in the past we've kind of figured that John Masco can make it work if he has just the right pieces. Now that was tested last year. Uh, I don't necessarily know if Andrew Norwell and, and Trey Turner had the athleticism to kind of execute the, the scheme that they wanted to have. So you know, maybe adding younger, bo- like with Wiley and Gates, they're they're both younger at least, so maybe they have the athleticism there. I did think it was interesting not to go on a tangent here, but Rivera has talked about a lot about wanting to get healthier on the offensive line, and yeah. Gates had has had seven surgeries now. A credit to him for you know pushing back and getting back on the field after that serious injury, but I'm interested to see how he holds up in a, in a full season and whether that bothers him at all going uh, forward. Yeah. I, I talked to a couple of people who were around the giants and they all were like, Oh wow, you're going to love this guy. He's apparently, and that may be more for, he's just a nice human being. And we, as the reporters uh, will enjoy talking to him. Um, but they all were, you know, really seem to be ecstatic for him that he was able to get this uh, kind of a, kind of a deal. So um, kudos there. Um, and just uh, go ahead. You have something to say. Oh yeah, just with the really a real the fast. You know, he's played guard before. He hasn't played it since 2018. But that, in theory, you could maybe kick him into one of the guard spots and have Gates at center. I think there's some flexibility with him there. You know, he's still at a he's still a good player if he's healthy. I mean, it just it's been two years now, so we don't really know. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll see. I would I would assume if Rui stays, he he stays in the middle, but. We'll see. Gates did play mostly guard last year for the record. All right, so then behind those guys right now, you've got Cornelius Lucas, okay? We're, we know him. Chris Paul, you know, he's the Sam Howell of the offensive line. One start, but but they're apparently not making him a starter. Um, And is that it? I feel like, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, Sadiq Charles. Um, You know, we'll see. I, I think to me, like, you know, Sadiq Charles is one of those guys feels like he'd be like an odd man out if they had anybody else in the draft. But, you know, so, that you know, they can still use get a couple more bodies. I mean, there are other offensive linemen who are practice squad guys. I'm not c- counting here right now, but um, yeah, the, but that's the, the guy that they added the other day. Right. Timmerman. Uh, Drew something. <laughs> yeah, him on, yeah. Yes. he's like he's like nine feet tall. Um all right, so that's what he did on the line. So I think, look, I, as I said, I think Wiley is interesting. Um, we'll see, you know, just simply being healthy will go a long way towards this group being better. But obviously, you got to help Sam Howell, not to mention the playmakers. Um, cornerback. 
Uh, look, uh, you know, before today, you had Kendall Fuller, you had Benjamin St. Just, and then you had, I don't know, Christian Holmes. Like, they didn't really have much at corner. And again, I, I wouldn't think this would preclude them from drafting one at 16 or in the second round. But, you know, Danny Johnson's been a totally, you know, solid veteran the last two years. He's sort of been the mini Heineke off the bench where he's coming in because of a bunch of injuries. And he's after a while, you're like, oh, wait, he's not 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 doing that bad. He could play inside or outside. So his return is good. He did sign a two year deal, not huge money, but, you know, he's been on the one year track for a bit. I mean, they could whatever they could easily move on after one year if they want. But nonetheless, they did give him the second year. Uh, Cameron Dantzler, then he was a third round pick in 2020, played in college with Montez Sweat. He's uh, I don't know if he's boom or bust is the right way to look at it, but like he's a bit inconsistent. But when he makes plays, he looks pretty good. I'm not honestly 100 percent sure why Minnesota cut him other than they have been cutting just people in general the last well, few days. Was terrible last year. <laughs> well, it may, may, maybe it's that. I mean, I just, uh, you know, from like a money perspective, they needed to move on from some people. Um, you know, it seems like a reasonable move for Washington to make at this point. You know, what I don't, you know, I don't know if this is what just it's the equivalent of adding Corn Elder um, to to the roster or somebody who could be more. But again, for the position they're in, at least at the moment, if they played tomorrow, you have John uh, Fuller, St. Juiced, Johnson, and Dancer, who's played the last three years. So you at least in theory would have four guys that you could run out there as needed. So um, you know. I think, like, again, I think they've covered themselves, but it's not like I'm going to sit here and go, okay, new game, game on, look out. No, I I mean, with, uh, with what they have at 16 or what could be available at 16 after today, would you say offensive line is still a bigger need or, or corner? Um, It's a good one. I, I feel, I'll, all right, I'll say this. I feel like if they got a corner at 16, so just for names that have been mentioned out there, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Uh, I don't know if I really love Joey Porter Jr. for for them, but okay, whatever. Joey Porter Jr., um, DeAndre, uh, Deontay Banks from Maryland. Christian Gonzalez has gone by 16. Yeah, we'll assume that for now. Um, I, I think those guys, if they pick the right one, when you look at the defense, I think that really could take the defense potentially to another level and i think they kind of look at it the same because at that point the only thing you wouldn't really have would be that linebacker spot that maybe cody barton takes other than that i mean the defensive line you know is obviously you know you know rock stars all over the place we'll see what chase young's up to the secondary you know the young playmakers were, were pretty impressive last year so i feel like the corner would do more but simultaneously I, I just don't know. Like, if if you told me they get one really good offensive lineman, is that offset the other ones that I'm kind of viewing? Like, eh, I don't know. That that's what I'm not sure. So I would say corner, but I kind of still like more uncertain about the line. If that makes sense. Yeah, that that does. I, I think you know one of the tackles would have to fall to 16, um, for that to really make sense because you know, unless you get your left tackle of the future, I don't think it's worth taking a guard or one of the interior spots at, at 16. I, you know, I'd rather go for the high upside or, or the premium position and, you know, cornerback and left tackle fit those descriptions a little bit more. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, since we're, we're we uh, got over to the to the draft, I'll just mention that um, I had a full blown first round mock draft up on the athletic today. If you haven't seen that, go Detroit ahead. Lions fans are gonna love it. What's that? Detroit Lions fans are gonna love it. Oh man, I I, I looked at that earlier this morning. You know, they always say don't read the comments, and uh, yeah. you know, it's one thing like the people I was, you know, the commenters I think at the athletic are generally pretty cool, and the ones who read about the commanders by this point and you don't know me or other team for other teams they don't, they, don't, they don't give a crap you don't know exactly everything that's going on with your team or how they see it look out um but anyway with washington I, i'll i can get into what they did i had them doing in a second but sitting there on the board that i have which seems to be in line with you know a lot of other boards like darnell Wright, the uh, offensive tackle from tennessee he's primarily a right tackle um he could be in that 16 range uh if they trade down then you have guys like uh, the guard uh osiris torrance from florida you have uh dewan jones offensive huge offensive tackle from ohio state so i think these are things that they could do if they if they go down um but again you know that becomes interesting you know what happens to somebody that they already have on the team if um you know they, they get Tony, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on the line. I'm. I mean, I do feel like they need more, but like I said, they at least have done all that. Uh, since you did see my mock draft, I I had Washington trade yeah. down from 16. I know everybody says trade down, trade down. Yeah. But but in this case, I, I the top two cornerbacks were gone, the um three tackles were gone. So I had Kansas City move up from 31 to take a pass rusher. They um let Frank Clark go. And at the moment, at least they haven't replaced him uh, one day for agency. <laughs> uh, and then from there, they were in position to get uh, take an offensive lineman in the first round. I gave them Osiris uh, Torrance, the guard from Florida. But then I took a, a cornerback in the second. Uh, in you know, you, you, I gave them uh, you, know, you take another one in the third. I gave them some other picks as well. So I guess just conceptually, what do you think of uh, that? Yeah, it, it, it's a good uh, it's a good idea in concept. I don't know how realistic it is that they'll trade down two years in a row. I mean, you just don't see that uh, very often unless you're uh, I don't know the the Patriots always seem to do it. That's why that's why I saw doing it because yeah. Rivera's a repeater. Sure, he's a re- you know. I mean, it, look, it worked out. You noted in your column, but it worked out really well from them last year. Getting Dotson, that was one of the picks. Became Brian Robinson, also Sam Howell. I mean, they. They got um, quite a haul for that, and you know maybe Cole Turner will do something too. <laughs> they're gonna, uh, you know, they're, years from now when they're playing the Saints because that started all for this to get Saints. They're gonna have all those guys walk out to do the uh, oh, the coin toss. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, while we're recording, by the way, I don't know if this matters, but uh, Jameis Winston agreed to stay in New Orleans at a reduced rate, so he's another quarterback. If we talk about quarterbacks later, that yeah, I um. I did. Uh, I did see that. All right. Well, we we talk about that. We'll talk more about the draft later, and I don't want to keep you here too long. Um. Yeah. The quarterback thing is what's left. Uh. In terms of the main stuff. Uh. That yeah. That we're that we're focused on. Um. Yeah. So who went off the board today? You mentioned Jameis Winston's gone. Case Keenum, our old pal. He he signed. Uh. With Houston. Uh. I believe other than that, like Andy Dalton's still there. Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Mike Teddy. White signed with Miami. Um. Oh, did he? Okay, I missed that one. Okay, um, so Teddy Bridgewater, and then of course Taylor Heineke, 
as well. Um, you know, I, I the more I, the more this has gone on, the more we heard Rivera talk about it. I just keep viewing this as while anybody who is saying Sam Howell is the week one starter is misunderstanding what he has said. I simultaneously think he will is attempting to rig the system. So Sam Howe is the week one starter. And to me, that's not Baker Mayfield, who I was told that they have not reached out to, even though like there's been, he was mentioned today as somebody who's gotten a lot of interest. Andy Dalton, Brissett, all those guys, I just think, you know, could, could beat Sam Howe out, but that's where like Taylor Heineke is almost on some weird level, the perfect guy because they're not going to view him as the backup. He's cool with, the role that he has, he and how get along, he, you know, the whole, he knows everybody here. Um, but I think he's going to, you know, like everybody else, he's waiting to see where Aaron Rodgers goes before he's going to commit to anything. Yeah. The only thing I would say with that is I agree with that. I think he would be really supportive uh, of Sam Howell in a competition and, and be kind of that perfect backup. My thing is, you know, what happens if you need him to play again? And it went okay for the most part last year, you know, they had a winning record he had a if we're just going by quarterback wins he had a better winning percentage than say Andy Dalton but at the same time I think Andy Dalton still kind of has a higher upside he performed better in terms of just you know quarterback rating and kind of completion percentage it seems like I, I don't know I part of me would rather have Heineke because of the mobility aspect but I, I just think Andy Dalton may be a more accurate quarterback like you know, next year is going to be do or die for this coaching staff. And so if Sam Howell gets hurt or, you know, he melts down in training camp, who do you really want playing? Do they want Taylor Heineke playing again, even after, you know, replacing him last year, benching him again? I just, it's hard for me to see them going down that road. Just Hey, this is Andrew Schlecht from The Athletic. The NBA Finals begins on June 6th, and we have you covered at The Athletic NBA Show. Join us Monday through Friday to hear voices like Zach Harper, David Aldridge, Marcus Thompson, Dave DeFore, Sam Amick, and many more. We will have instant reaction shows after every finals game, plus podcasts to take you behind the scenes in between games. Listen to The Athletic NBA Show wherever you get your podcasts. For that reason, but he does make a lot of sense otherwise. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I from the beginning of this thought, he's out. Dalton was a guy that I kept pointing to, but it just, like I said, as time's gone on, the more I think about it and listen to what Rivera says, it just feels like Heineke could be in play. I'm aware, yes. I'm aware that his college coach went on a rant on Al Galdi's podcast, but I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it doesn't, you know, he's not speaking for Heineke, or most of all, he's not speaking for Heineke's agent. Um, You know, from what I've been told, the two sides are – interested in each other but i also think it's sort of by convenience at this point if they find better options i think they'll both take it but at the same point they also know what they would get with each other and they're seemingly content to do that um all right so we're we'll, day two tomorrow uh you know we're talking on uh monday night so tomorrow could be wednesday if you're listening to this on tuesday but you know what i mean on tuesday it's not like i can sit here and tell you okay we'll get ready for this because i don't think anybody was predicting Washington would do everything they did today. Oh, I guess this lastly before I let you go, Deron Payne spoke today with us. Um, you know, Deron's not a man of a lot of words, but I thought he had some good comments today. You know, it was, you know, he's asked like, you know, does it felt real yet that you just got a contract for ninety million dollars or sixty million guaranteed? And he said, it hasn't really sunk in yet, but it probably will when the uh, bank account changes numbers. Um, I would think so. 
Yeah, no, I mean, when my checking account crosses a, a certain threshold, but it doesn't that often, I'm like, oh, and then proceeds to not. I can't even imagine what it's like for an NFL player. So. Yeah, it it is bizarre to, to be like we're talking to somebody who just signed for sixty million dollars or not, six million guaranteed. Uh, you know, unbelievable. Um, but in general, he he said, look, I mean, he you know he said he thinks they've got you know obviously young talent that they're a couple pieces away. He was pretty happy, you know, Ron Rivera told him all along that they were going to get something done. And I know Rivera has told that as well. And obviously it did happen, but, you know, he took comfort in that. Um, you know, I, I you know, he seemed to be, Deron Payne's not somebody I, I, I take for a lot of BS, um, you know. So, you know, I don't think he's like giving us the story that we want to hear. I, I it, you know, I think he's just a pretty genuine guy about it. And, uh, you know, it got done and, you know, Arguably, they just kept their best defensive lineman. Whatever yeah. else is going to happen, we'll we'll see. But at a minimum, they've just did that, and I think that's at least positive. Even if again, we have to wait and see what happens with the money down the line. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I would say Jonathan Allen is better, but that's you know picking picking hairs. I, you know, they're they're both incredible together, and I thought that was kind of the important takeaway from this is you get to keep them both now, even though you're paying a premium. But those are both premium players. It makes their defense really scary. The, the pass rush starts with them. Uh, another thing that stood out to me from Payne's presser was that just kind of how he went out 2022 and he shared that interesting anecdote about how ideally his agent wanted him to, to sit out of OTAs and to maybe even hold out from training camp. And Deron Payne just wanted to show up and, and play and kind of go about this. And it it paid off for him, I think. You know, Rivera has talked about being really impressed by that, and I think it contributed uh, to their willingness to give him a deal in the long run. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, less than two years after Jonathan Allen's four-year, $72 million, 35 guaranteed, Payne got $25 million more guaranteed, plus, um, you know, an additional $18 million and some funny money or whatever. I mean, that's a pretty significant deal. Um, I think it's some good work all around over there. All right, um, we're going to flip over here. We're going to talk to Michael Sean Dugar, our Seahawks reporter covering the athletic, to get a little more insight into linebacker Cody Barton, who, like I said, may be the new Cole Holcomb. And we'll also talk some NFC and NFL draft. We'll do that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to almost record any kind of podcast right now because it's been a busy day on the first day of the legal tampering period for Washington. We'll see what else happens. But one thing we do know right now is they have signed former Seahawks linebacker, Cody Barton. I got to look that up just to make sure I have the name right. Uh, To give us a sense of what that means, who better than our guy who covers the Seahawks for the athletic, Michael Sean Dugar, who I had the pleasure of seeing just a week or so ago at the combine. Uh, My guy, how, uh, how, how are you? How are everything's going? It's pretty quiet over here in Seattle, which is great. You know, I was able to run some errands. I knew there wasn't going to be anything big uh, today. This is the biggest thing that's happened so far is a, a guy leaving. That That's kind of how Seattle gets down. <laughs> I intended to go get uh, coffee this morning at uh, Starbucks. I don't, I don't uh, uh, a guy from Seattle, I'm assuming you've had a cup or two. And mm-hmm. literally right before I went, I, I was like, oh, I have to do a TV hit for somebody. Okay, so I did that. Then, like, the phone rang, and I did that. Then all of a sudden, it's been six hours later, and I haven't been able to leave because a bunch <laughs> of different things have, have happened. And 
when you have these kind of it's one thing to you know sign a big name or at least you know, somebody's maybe at a pro bowl level one of the bigger names at a certain position you might have a feel for what they are what they're about people watching that are signing so far not that kind of people more of the under the radar names including uh cody barton who you know last year looks like it was something of a breakout year for him you know like 130 odd tackles after previously being it looks like only a special teams player what uh what's the deal with cody barton uh what what is uh washington getting here um you know cody sat the bench for three years um behind bobby wagner kj wright um and then jordan brooks who was their first round pick in 2020 uh he kind of sat the bench behind those guys for three years with no real like path to starting uh we thought because bobby wagner was under contract going into 2022 then they cut him and cutting bobby was kind of like finally the front the front office saying look man play this guy. We took him with like the 88th pick. We don't even know if we can play. Play him. Let, let's see. So that's why he didn't get to start until year four. Um, part of that is just because he was behind some good veterans. And then part of that is because of the draft capital they put into Jordan Brooks uh, in that 2020 draft. So it was like, we got to play Jordan. He was our first round pick. Right. KJ Wright's still playing well. Bobby's still playing well. So we have to just shelve this, this guy, Cody. Um, and when he finally got to play, he looked like a guy who hadn't played. Um, which, which is natural, particularly in the run. The Seahawks had a pretty bad run defense for most of the year. Uh, it was it was really rough. Cody was a part of that. Um, Jordan Brooks, the other guy, was a part of that. Their front line was a part of that. Um, some of their safeties were a part of that as well because uh, Jamal Adams blew his knee out 10 minutes into their first game. So, like, they played Cody a lot more than they anticipated. And then it sucks for Cody because then their defense got better midway through the year when they were playing Cody less, um, which was unfortunate for him. But one thing that uh, you know, you kind of ask me, is he, is he good or not? Um, and the answer is he, was he good in Seattle? No. Could he be good in Washington? Legitimately? Yes. I think uh, I was talking to Cody on locker cleanout day. One reason why I say that is Cody was telling me, it's like, because he hadn't played before getting the bye week after the Germany game, and he lost to the bucks um, in which he had a pick in that game. Um, he was like, man, the bye week, I had never really watched myself. You know, like you watch film, obviously, but the bye week gave him a time and just like, yo, okay, wow, I'm not good at this. I can get better at that. I'm doing good at this. You know, just really self-scout himself for the first time as an NFL player, really, with a lot of cut-ups to go through and everything. And what do you know, he started playing a lot better after that when he got a chance to self-scout and then start to play better, particularly in coverage later in the season. Um, but if you go watch the Commanders fans, they really want to know, go watch the playoff game with Seahawks 49ers. You probably see, okay, he still does have some limitations. Um, but very similar to what happened with Ethan, Ethan Posick, Seattle center from 2021. He let he stunk. He went to the Browns, played great, and then just got $18 million this morning. Um, so some guys in Seattle, were they good here? No. Uh, but considering the circumstances, I wouldn't rule out Cody being a much better player in, in Washington than he was. Uh, this last year in Seattle, just because he has tape on himself and, you know, a way to actually improve his game. Well, that's interesting that he's somebody that at a minimum, we still don't know. Like, it's not like a guy who's been around and, you know, okay, kind of have a feel that there may be something there because, you know, tackles can be a misleading stat, but he had a very huge, a huge amount um, last year. Uh, If he's coming to here, my sense at this point was that he's going to be given a shot to, become the starting Mike linebacker. Uh, Cole Holcomb's had that job the past few years, but he's a free agent as well. And but at the moment, at the moment, you know, at the moment, it appears he may be being replaced here um, by Barton. Is he, 
I don't know to what degree you you, you got the you got a sense of this because he only had the one year. But as a signal caller, how did he did he handle those duties? And and if so, how how did he uh, any sense of how he did? Yeah, he did it. When did he do it? So Bobby Wagner tweaked his knee, I believe, in week seventeen of twenty twenty one. Um, and even though Jordan was a start, Jordan Brooks was a starter at the time when Bobby went out for the final two games of the year. Um, Cody is actually who called the plays, uh, which was interesting. Last year, Jordan, 2022, Jordan did it. Um, but then um, when Jordan blew his ACL in week 17, well, damn, week 17, this is bad um, for linebacker. <laughs> so when Jordan blew his knee in, 27, in, in week 17 last year, Cody is then who called the plays. So he called the plays against the Jets, uh, week 18 against the Rams, and then the playoff game against the 49ers. So like, he can do it. And he's a smart guy. Like Cody's a guy who he's kind of been a little bit of a late bloomer in his career, like he didn't, I don't even think he made varsity until his senior year in high school. Um, and then I don't think he was a starter at Utah until his senior year as well. He sat behind good guys in both cases. Um, and then here, he doesn't get to start until year four. So this is actually kind of on par for him. It's like to kind of sit and wait and then get your turn. Um, so yeah, he's he called plays a lot. I think about it. Um, I hadn't thought about that TX. So yeah, he knows, he knows how to call the plays because he's playing so much on special teams. He's really like a a, a see ball get ball like type type of guy like all right give him that one thing to go run at and let him go run and hit it um which is kind of why he was good in coverage too because he could just turn and run he's actually really fast he can run with like number uh number three linebackers or excuse me number three receivers in the slot and can run with fast tight ends um he had a pick against i think against the raiders when he like runs with like darren waller i think it was or one of them tight ends uh and helps quandre get a pick so he's athletic it's just the reading and reacting and diagnosing stuff was not coming naturally to him last year. Uh, but as a guy in the middle, commanding the huddle and all that shit, yeah, yeah. Cody, Cody can do all that. Um, why? Uh, so we don't know the exact terms. It's a one-year deal. Typically, if they're if it's a one-year deal and they haven't already told us the terms, it's you know, it, it's it's money that we would all gladly take, but it's not that big of a deal from a salary cap perspective. So why didn't Seattle keep him? It's a good question. I just think uh, this year was more of an experiment. Like, I, right, what's the ceiling on this dude look like? Oh, not not super high, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I just think if, with these with the money that they have, like they still have like twenty million in cap space. Um, they could resign Bobby if they needed to. They have like five top one hundred picks, um, so they have the resources to kind of move on. Um, you know, which is they've they've notoriously done. It's like instead of like paying starter money for a guy who's like okay they'd rather be paying like minimum wage for a guy on a rookie deal who may may or may not be just as good as that guy like right. in their mind probably like jack campbell at iowa is probably like a step or two behind cody but for a fraction of the cost same thing with like maybe a drew sanders at arkansas or dayon henley at washington state all these guys coming out so um and the growing pains with jordan and cody last year um, and I'm lumping those two together because this was their first year without Bobby, which is a very important year for the Seahawks. The growing pains were just so rough sometimes. Like it was blown coverages. Um, it was missed tackles. It was, it was giving up touchdowns. It was just a lot of stuff between those two at the linebacker spot. So I could definitely see why when they stepped back and was like, all right, how did 57, Cody, had 57 and 56 do last year? Oof. Yeah, maybe they'll get better. But like we want to win a championship right now. So maybe we go a different direction. Like I could easily see that. And the Seahawks don't really win bidding wars. So if Washington came in with like a few extra, extra bucks on the back end, I can easily see Seattle just bowing out. Um, 
All right, fair, fair enough. So you go back to last year, and so much has happened since the end of the year. I've already forgotten how things went, but obviously Seattle made the wild card. Washington mm-hmm. did not. Washington had it right there for them, and then they faded late. Seattle held on just enough. So the teams are kind of in the same boat, relatively speaking, except that <laughs> Seattle's got, hopefully they think an answer a quarterback because Geno mm-hmm. Smith had such a dynamic year last year. Plus, they've got the fifth pick in the draft in addition to number 20, whereas Washington is at 16. That fifth pick, you know, you can go in a lot of different directions and you know, potentially get in something really dynamic. I- I'm curious about the Geno thing now. The money is not as big. Well, it was announced three for seventy-five million, but really, mm-hmm. it's not like that. It, it, it's like two for uh, something forty. So, uh, yeah, it's more like a one in twenty-seven that they can get yeah. out of if they need to. And at max value, it's like three and a hundred. Um, if he continues to just be who he was in twenty twenty-two, it's it's a te- it's the team friendliest of the team friendly quarterback deals you'll probably ever see. Right. Well, and that seems like a pretty good deal for both sides. Obviously, Geno's had a, a journeyman career. Who would have ever imagined that he would have been in that spot? So good for him and nice that the team, you know, rewarded him with at least a big, big number off the bat. But as you're going through that, as you as a reporter thinking about this, do you at any point you're thinking, oh, I don't know, giving Geno Smith this kind of money, maybe they're, be- maybe they're better off not doing that. But on the other hand, if you let him go, everybody's in the same predicament. Well, then what are you doing at quarterback? And even if you have the top five pick, still a rookie you know if you have immediate goals it's hard to know was that was for you was any point thinking they should maybe move on or is that abyss of not having anything at quarterback that's too scary yeah I think it wasn't even necessarily that it was scary it was just like with Gino the process was really sound like when you go watch the games that he played and played well and even some of the ones where he threw he had some uh turnovers you look at how he performed and what made it tick and I think that it was sustainable the ways that he uh, produced were sustainable. It wasn't a lot of like hand holding, um, which we see a lot of in this division in particular. Like Cal Shanahan and Sean McVay make it really easy for the quarterbacks to put up numbers without their quarterbacks being particularly good. You know, which is why they made the Super Bowl with Jimmy G and Jared Goff respectively, and then eventually you wanted to punt those guys to the moon, right? For different quarterbacks because they those court those quarterback gurus knew, okay, this is really hard to make this guy look good. Um, Jimmy G and Jared Goff. Uh, in particular. So Gino wasn't like that. It wasn't like he was, they thought they were going to have to run that type of offense, like hold his hand, run the ball a lot, give him a first read, make sure that shit's open and go. And after a couple games, they were like, oh, wait, we can just like get an empty, we can get in shotgun, we can have this guy change the protections, uh, making pre-snap adjustments to routes. Like he was playing quarterback, like big boy quarterback. Um, But because of that, I would have felt good giving the contract to, to Gino that they did. For me, the debate was how, how much money, if any at all, am I willing to guarantee Gino in 2024 at the time of the signing? And the answer to, for Seattle was none, um, which if I was Gino's people, I would have probably tried to fight really, really, really hard for that. Like Daniel Jones ended up getting his fully guaranteed 2024 base salary at signing. That's crazy to me for Daniel Jones um, at any year where Gino was worlds better. Um, so I think the way Gino succeeded is important, not just the numbers. Um, just like I compare Gino to like Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, they were holding his hand and telling him, hey, man, just go out there and make sure we don't lose, run around if you need to and give it to Saquon if you get nervous. Um, that's not what they were doing in Seattle. They were dropping back, going empty, you know, no max protection saying, hey, man, just go go get shit done. Um, so I felt good about it. I would have probably just 
guaranteed his 2024. If I was Seattle, like, all right, the best I'll do is guarantee your 2024 base salary for injury or something. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it fully guaranteed at the signing like Daniel Jones got, because um, you just never really know. But I would have guaranteed uh, money for uh, like 30 million for Geno, like up front. Like I think he's he's gonna be that type of player. I think in 2023. So, got a quarterback for next year at a minimum. But the long term, we'll see. Geno's obviously an older guy already. The fifth pick. The, there's some craziness that already happened in the draft with Carolina moving up to one. We assume mm-hmm. they're taking a quarterback. We think Houston at two is taking one. The Colts at four, and if they stay there, want one. I kind of think Seattle should still take a quarterback. Now, you mentioned that they have this idea of playing, you know, to go for it this year. Uh, the, in their own division, the Rams are going backwards. Uh, the Cardinals are probably headed for a, a rough year with Kyler Murray hurt. So there's opportunity. Um, San Francisco might be a challenge, but uh, there's opportunity to get at least into the wild card just off the division. But if you're picking five, it's always got to be so enticing to take that quarterback. Uh, you know, in 2020, Washington had the second pick. Went Chase Young. We totally understand why, but everybody laments it that they didn't take Justin Herbert or Tua Tunga Viola now. So where where are you at on that? And I also say this as a guy who just did a mock draft and I had mm-hmm. Seattle trading up the three to take Anthony Richardson, uh, just for fun at least. But what where, where are you at on that idea of them going quarterback or saying, nah, we'll deal with that later? Uh it's tough. It's it's the difference between drafting for the short term or drafting for the long term. That's really what it comes down to. If you're in the front office, usually you got some f- more forward thinking um, than the coaching staff was like, well, I, get, I need to go out there and perform now. Um, so if you're thinking short term, you just take the best defensive player uh, on the field. You know, I mean, it's not totally short term. You get the guy for four years, but you know what I mean? Like a quarterback is not going to help you win in 2023. That's what I mean by the difference in short term and long term. You know, so you take Jalen Carter or something or Will Anderson, if he's there, Tyree, Tyree Wilson or something that helps you in theory now. Anthony Richardson, who I love, does not. So it, it it just depends on how they want to look at that because that's the real – that's how you have to break it down because in Seattle's mind, they have two ways to, to look at it. They're like, yo, guys, look, this is our first time picking uh, – this is actually our only our second time ever picking in the top 10, and this is their 14th draft together between wow. Pinkett and John Snyder. So they, the, to use the word rare understates – uh, the the moment like they're thinking dude we're now ne- and even now they're only picking five because Russell Wilson stunk it's not even like they stunk to get here right, their, right. Na- their native pick is 20 so that shows you how like good these guys are so in in John Snyder's mind I can easily see him being like yo we gotta take a quarterback we might literally never pick up here again and he's got a good argument I can easily see the coaching staff being like that's cool but we also could use a really 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 good defensive lineman because we're also never up here to get those guys either, you know, and we've been watching guys like Nick Bosa kick our ass for the past three or whatever years, he was the number two pick, you know, there's, they've, you know, they've played Miles Garrett and, you know, the Joey Bosa's Cleo Mack, I don't remember where Cleo Mack was drafted, but you get my point, like, just as much as you could say it's rare to be up here to draft a quarterback, the coaching staff could easily argue it's rare to be up here and get a Quinn and Williams, it's rare to be up here and get a Bosa, like, let's get our Bosa, you know, so, I would lean towards the latter um, and, and getting that defensive player um, just because I think they should be trying to get someone who can help them in 2023 because the guy, they've got a lot of guys who are like in their primes, but if you, if you push that out, that could get tricky. Like Tyre Lockett's, I think my age, I'm turning 31 in July. Quandre Diggs is the same age as me. I'm pretty sure uh, DK is young. He'll be fine. But like, they've got some other pieces like that. It was like, all right, 
you should try to win right now with those guys before they get expensive or they uh, they age out. So um, it's a tr- it's it's really tricky because, um, like you said, also Gino Gino's thirty two, but Gino hasn't taken many hits as a thirty two year old. Right. You know? he's taken, for example, I think he's got fewer starts than Daniel Jones does. Like that puts in perspective how how little wear and tear there is on Gino's body for a normal thirty two year old quarterback. So how much longer can he do this? Everything about this situation is unprecedented as hell. Um, but I think if I was on the clock at five and Will Anderson or Jalen Carter's there, I'm, I'm rolling with it. Well, that's, I think, the part that's interesting that you just said, because looking at this draft pre-combine, it felt like it was basically a two-player draft, not quarterbacks, meaning the two you just said, Anderson and Carter, plus the quarterbacks. But then, of course, Carter is dealing with his legal matter and nobody seems to know where he'll go. I, I put him eighth in my mock just to put him somewhere, but then just said, hey, I, you know, some people think he could slide a lot. We have no idea. So, right, if he's if he's a thing and everybody's cool with it, with taking him, that would be uh, a no-brainer for or him or Anderson. But if not, then it kind of feels like if Anderson's gone, which I would think he would be, then what? Uh, or actually, maybe he isn't. It depends what Arizona does at three, basically. But then what? It feels like this may only be a kind of draft where – the value between the guy being picked at five and the guy being picked somewhere else. Like you guys are at 20 also not saying there would be no difference, but maybe this isn't a year where it's like, wow, you got to take this guy. That's why I think it's going to be fun debate with the quarterback uh, situation there. Yeah. Last year was kind of like that for Seattle too. You know, um, they don't give a lot of first round grades. Like I can't confirm this number, but I'm pretty sure the Seahawks have never given, this is with John Snyder as the GM. I don't think they've ever given more than 18 first round grades in any given draft, right? Which, so they probably don't have many more than that this year either. So picking at 20, they're probably like, well, shit, we're not getting a first round guy anyway, you know, at 20. Um, And I said to say last year, if, if the Falcons had taken Charles Cross with the eighth pick instead of Drake London, I'm very confident the Seahawks would have traded back. Um, They wouldn't have just taken the next left tackle on their board, who I, maybe it was Trevor Penning or something like that, but he ended up going for like in the teens yeah. of somewhere, you know, they would have probably traded back thinking like you're saying, well, Hey, if there's not that much of a difference between the guy we take at nine, if it's not Charles or a guy we could t- get at 15, well, we just moved back. I, I could see a very similar situation up front. Like, Hey, if Will Anderson's gone and, or Jalen Carter's gone. The difference between taking Tyree Wilson at five or trading back and taking Tyree Wilson at eight probably isn't that different. Well, let's pick up an extra third round pick or some shit and, and draft the same guy we were going to take. Um, I could I could easily see that happening because these guys are really, as most teams are, these guys are really stingy with with first round grades. Um, like that they may they may have a year where they only give like twelve or thirteen of them, you know. So um, this year it could be very very similar. I'd be very interested to see how many non-quarterback first-round grades they have on guys. It could be a single-digit number um, this year for for all we know. And if it is, I could easily see them trading back uh, in in the draft, if depending on if Will Anderson or Jalen Carter is off the board. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, feels like a, a fairly light draft at the top anyway, so that wouldn't be uh, surprising for sure. All right. It, is it surprising that we made it through like 15 minutes when <laughs> I said you were going to talk about Cody Barton? I don't know. I told you we 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 we'd figure it out. I'm I'm fascinated with the draft, and you know Washington's got its own quarterback conundrum. So it's good to hear about what else somebody else is going through. Uh, at Mike Dugar D U G A R on Twitter. Uh, great read covering the Seahawks for us. Uh, also a very fashion forward guy. So if you need some <laughs> tips, 
go, go i'm sure i'm sure what do you got instagram uh or, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't i don't do tiktok so i don't know if you're over there but uh you know uh, no I'm, i I've, I've, I've there's some apps i'm too old for and i think tiktok's by one wow if you're saying you're too old for that all right <laughs> I can't even imagine um all right i appreciate it uh we'll talk soon good luck with the off season and uh we'll see if we get some other player between our two teams that we need to uh discuss all right man appreciate you all right many thanks to uh michael sean dugar for his time thanks to our guy matt paris here for his time matt and i are going to go do a top chef fantasy draft here we've done this now uh, a few years in a row uh basically who gets the winner i believe i am not doing that great this will be our so we don't really do a, a fantasy draft in turn or we do a draft but we don't do it like a fantasy point system like the guys from pack your knives do it's just more simple you know i take a chef ben takes a chef and whoever has the winner uh the other person has to buy lunch so ben is uh has paid for two lunches so far and going into the third you know i will gladly take a, another meal off you if uh yeah i'm actually normally like not that bad at this but in this i'm oh, you know things well, are things are not going um not going my way uh but all right yeah, so anyway we'll, we're not gonna do that on here because we'll be too much hemming and hawing but we'll do it later. I don't know if anybody out there is into Top Chef, but if you are, you know, you can tweet us at Ben Standick at Matthew underscore Paris. Who would you pick first in the uh, in a Top Chef draft? I apparently need the help anyway if I'm going to have a shot here to uh, to beat Matt. Um, all right, go read Matt's stuff at the Washington Times. Go check me out at the Athletic uh, and uh, get some rest. We've got a lot more to go. It's only day one of free agency, and it's not even real free agency yet. And things were out of hand for the commanders um that is it for now ben standing signing off until next time see ya